0: This is Blake, and you're listening to The Holy District Podcast. As you guys know, if you've been following along with um, Brooke and Dan, they've been doing a series called Does Prayer Work? So over the last three or four weeks, they've been talking about prayer. They've been answering questions about prayer. Last week, Brooke did a meditation. On prayer so this week we thought it would be fun and we were actually um, we were hoping actually to get some people from our community and our neighborhood on to get to be able to talk about prayer because we know that um, we all live within a certain context so Brooke and Dan they're out in Gilbert Arizona and it is definitely a little bit different than here in Allentown so we were kind of hoping that we'd be able to get to hear from some of our neighborhoods, some of our community members to talk about prayer, what they think about prayer. Does does God answer prayer? Um, how does prayer work? How do they pray? But unfortunately we've had a pretty um, crazy week <laughs> over the last few um, days so that hasn't been able to happen so actually what we're going to do today is I have Erica here with me. Hello. Hello, so we're gonna actually just kind of talk about prayer um, from our perspective, from our lived experience. So, we'll answer some of the same questions that Brooke and Dan have talked about. I don't think you're gonna find it, it's not like, oh, they were wrong, we're right, we're wrong, they're right kind of thing. We just kind of wanted to hear um, from a different, a little bit of a different social context. So, having said that, Erica, how are you today?
1: I'm doing pretty good. You're
0: doing pretty how good. Are you? I'm good. We just got Alexi down for a nap. So first nap of the day. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, so, Erica, to begin with, whenever you hear the word prayer, like what comes to mind for you?
1: Oh, so much. I think I have my concept of prayer has changed so much as my journey with Jesus has progressed. I think at first I learned that prayer was this really um, this really important practice that you did if you were saved, like you pray and you read your Bible, it's something that you do by yourself. It's something that you, if you want it to be true or authentic, you have to make up or and mm. do um, extemporaneously. Moment. Yeah. And it's something that, uh, you know, you close your eyes and you don't think of anything except for God. And um, it's a way that you can uh, bring your needs to God and your wants to God and uh, hopefully get God to act on your behalf. That's probably my first, uh, my foundational learning about what prayer is. As I've grown, I think now when I hear the word prayer, I think about um, the connection that I have the opportunity to nurture between myself and jesus and that uh growing awareness of the the word of god in my life and the and the ways in which god is with me and is healing me and growing me and changing me and how i can yeah develop a deeper awareness of that that's probably my current working uh, understanding of prayer
0: well i mean there's there's quite a bit of difference from where you started out right so i mean um can you tell us a little bit about some of your journey and how that's changed and shifted for you? And obviously this isn't something that like just happened over a week, right? Like this has been something that's been going on for years. So, um, can you just kind of give us some of the highlights that started to shift your thinking?
1: Well, you know, I think I would say my first understanding of prayer, not only was it really, um, hard, you know, for me, especially like as a nine year old, when I came to faith in Jesus to, totally clear my mind and close my eyes and focus and know what to pray and how to pray. I think I had I constantly felt, um, like I probably wasn't doing a good enough job. Mm. And I even remember going through a phase where my family, we had a prayer circle every night before we went to sleep. We would sit in the living room floor in a circle and hold hands and all of us would offer a prayer before we went to bed. And it was a really special thing. Mm. And there was this phase in my life where I was memorizing the Lord's prayer and I just said the Lord's prayer every night instead of offering an extemporaneous prayer. And it made my parents really uncomfortable. Mm. And it, I don't know why I felt like doing that, but there was something that I intuited about this being an important thing and that it it was good enough. Like it was a good enough prayer that if Jesus prayed it, then I could pray it too. And it would probably check all the boxes because I think, you know, Brooke and Dan talked about this a little yeah. bit. I definitely had a superstitious understanding of prayer. Like, if I just could pray the right way, with the right words, with the right attitude, with the right motivation, then God would answer my prayer. Mm. And if I prayed and the answer didn't come to fruition, then there was some kind of blame that need to be, needed to be placed. And, of course, that blame wasn't going to be placed with God because God is good and God loves me. So then I'm, there must be something wrong with me and with the way that I'm praying. So I share that anecdotally just to say it was that, that way of understanding prayer was not fruitful Mm -hmm. for me. It didn't lead me into greater wisdom. It didn't lead me into greater love and obedience. It created uh, self-consciousness. It created anxiety. It created fear. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm just a very pragmatic person, so... If it's not working and it's not in the way that I'm thinking about prayer doesn't actually uh, create the kinds of outcomes that I see in the scripture and that I see Jesus showing and demonstrating and teaching about, then there's probably another way to think about this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you and I have been on this journey together for 12 years, 10 years married. And I think a lot of it has just been us saying, okay, like, that's not working. Like, that's not... (laughs) This
0: doesn't really line up, makes sense.
1: Not just with prayer, but how we understand the Bible and how we understand God and how we uh, understand how to read and interpret scripture and what it means to be the church. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like, okay, what what has the church thought about this? How have Christians throughout history understood prayer? Mm -hmm. And I think it's been a very uh, fluid evolution of, you know, prayer has to look this one particular way to little by little as we had experiences in our life, as we've encountered tragedy and difficulty and suffering in our lives and we had to integrate that somehow uh, has brought me to this place of what I described earlier that while prayer prayer is in a way that I get something from God or I get God to do something, um, prayer is a way that I become aware of what God is doing Mm. and prayer is the invitation that God has given us to co-rule with him and to be to have the mind of Christ and to, yeah. to experience the mind of, of the thoughts of God mm-hmm. and um, to actually locate that within myself as I uh, become aware of Jesus's presence in my life and and then pray with others and and hear from them how God is speaking to them
0: mm. yeah that's really it's um, really beautiful right to describe prayer in that way and um, getting to experience how God, thinks and feels about you, right, and then being able to um, have your mind and your thoughts formed into the way that he's thinking about you, and then also not just you, right, but for others as well, so that's really beautiful. You know, you said something there that um, is just so interesting to me, because I I know on my own journey, like very similar, of what kind of some of those foundational um, basics of prayer was taught to me, And I just think about like how many other people are out there and those are kind of the the basics they're getting, but you're right. It creates this place of almost fear. And I just find that so interesting considering, you know, we see in scripture, perfect love cast out fear, (laughs) fear. So it's almost like this, um, it's almost like we're equipping people in the wrong direction almost Mm. a little bit. So hopefully, hopefully as you guys are listening to this series on prayer, you know, some of that has been helpful right to start to unlearn and rethink different ways of prayer and like erica said i know dan uh, and brooke they've talked about you know the lord's prayer and that kind of stuff so i'd highly recommend you guys go back and listen to some of that stuff if you haven't
1: um
0: so erica you know some of the questions i want to ask you a question one of the questions that brooke and dan have already talked about is um like what do you do when it feels like god is distant or silent when you're praying you know um you're talking about experiencing God's mind and the way he's thinking and feeling for you. What what do you do? What do you kind of take from whenever God feels distant or silent in those seasons?
1: Mm. You know, that's... I think one thing I just want to say at the, at the outset of this question is that it is always very painful and difficult to go through seasons like this.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's not something that I would ever want to smooth over or... Yeah. Um, diminish in any way. I know the moments in my life where I desperately needed to hear something from God and I didn't feel like I did were deeply troubling. Okay. And, um, and, you know, I think the phrase the dark night of the soul is one way that we talk about this. And I, and I guess one, one thing I would say is that this is not, this is such a universal experience. Right. It's in the Bible. You know, people uh, are heroes and that's quite heroes of faith experience this, um, even people like Abraham, you know, we see those moments when he had these like wonderfully, uh, bold and mm-hmm. obvious times when he met with God, ex- experienced God's presence and God's direction in such a clear way. But what we don't often recognize is like the decades that passed right. between those. We're getting occasions.
0: the highlights.
1: Yeah, we are. And, yeah. um, How difficult... And you see in the way that people in the Bible behave that they were also very disconcerted and and did not know how to handle Mm -hmm. long seasons where they did not feel that clear and obvious connection to God. And they made mistakes sometimes. Sometimes they didn't, sometimes they did. And so I guess guess there's just some solidarity, you know, that I want to name there.
0: Yeah, you're definitely not alone if this is something you are experiencing or have experienced, like nothing is wrong with you and those things like that is just almost part of being human. It's
1: part of the human experience. Yeah. I, I would say that my newer understand, or like my more mature development when it comes to how I think about faith, it is it is much more um, sturdy when it comes to facing these seasons. Because earlier, whenever I had this understanding of like, if God's not answering my prayers it's because I've done something wrong, mm-hmm. then what that did was add this extra layer of shame And, and confusion Mm -hmm. to seasons where I didn't sense God's closeness. Right. And that was kind of spurred on by teachings where people said like, if you, if you feel far from God, then God isn't the one that moved. Mm. Um, so then that like, just kind of heaping on that shame of saying like, this is your fault. (laughs) Uh, if you don't feel close to God, this is your fault. Yeah. And that's just, um, not true. Um. It can be, it can be, there are seasons right. in our life where we intentionally distance ourselves from mm. God because we don't want, we don't care what God has to mm. say, or we know what, we have a deep intuition of what God wants for us and we want something different. And so mm. we do create a psychological distance, um, mm. so that we can do the things that we want to do. Right. But I don't think that's what we're talking right. about here.
0: People don't typically call those dark nights of souls, oh, right? You know, no. like they, they're acutely aware yeah. of God's like, presence and
1: what God. yeah yeah and I'm I'm reaching for God and I yeah. can't I'm I'm having a hard time finding God. Yeah. So um my my current place when I think about prayer is being like becoming awareness of God's presence. Uh paradoxically when I am seeking for God's presence and I have a hard time and I'm not hearing God. Uh, i developed some prayer practices that are more reflective, that are more imaginative. When I say imaginative, I uh, think of Brooke's meditation that she did last right. week where you kind of find yourself in a safe place mm-hmm. in your mind and um, the invitation for for my consciousness to become aware that Jesus is with me because yeah. Jesus is always with me. Yeah. There, are even t- there are many times, most times when I do that prayer, I can actually imagine Jesus with me in that yeah. safe place. and. And have like a conversation with Jesus as if I'm just like I'm having a conversation with you right now. Using my imagination to to represent Mm -hmm. something that is uh, spiritually true but doesn't feel physically true in the um, the moment. And there are times when I am uh, engaging in that kind of prayer and I I can't, like I can't imagine Jesus. I Mm -hmm. don't, like I don't feel as if Jesus is there. And in those moments, then I have an opportunity to... um, Lean into my growing understanding of what it means to be a person of faith, which uh, I've come to understand the word faith to mean less about um, psychological assent or like saying I believe this set of truths, to to meaning a, an allegiance, mm-hmm. um, an allegiance that I have put in Jesus. Right. And so I'm, and when I'm in those moments in those seasons where I'm having a hard time feeling connected or seeing Jesus or hearing from Jesus, then, then I have this faith that says, well, whether or not, um, I feel God directly at this point in time, or I have real clarity about who it is, what it is that God wants me to do, I have pledged my allegiance to Jesus. Jesus, God has given us through the Bible and particularly the gospels, um, the story of Jesus, so I know the kind of person that Jesus mm-hmm. is, I can continue to obey Jesus and, and following Jesus and maintaining my allegiance to Jesus, even in those times, I may not know what exactly to do, but I know, I know who I'm following right. and I, and I can stay on the journey, you know, stay you know, on the, the journey. character
0: of Jesus, right? Like yeah. he's not left you,
1: <laughs> you know, and there are even times when, um, like I can't imagine Jesus or I, I sense that that Jesus is near, but I'm not getting any feedback, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm seeking wisdom. I'm seeking, Mm -hmm. you know, I want a word of knowledge Mm -hmm. or something like that. And it's not coming. And, um, and I have come to understand that the character of Jesus is that he, he, he always does the right thing. And there are times when, uh, God wants us, God wants to tell us something directly so that we can obey and and Mm -hmm. do, do something in particular. But I think one of God's big goals for his children is that we would mature mm. and that we would become people of wisdom. And so uh, there are times when God does not give me the direct answer. And instead of being fearful, that that means that I'm like not connected to God or that I'm sinful and like God can't get to me or, or something like that, that I, I've moved away from God and it's up to me to figure out how to get back to God. Instead of experiencing and interpreting those moments that way, what I've come to understand is, you know what? Maybe God's trusting me right now to make a good decision, mm. and it's not about right or wrong. It's about me depending on the wisdom that God has given me up into this moment, and taking a moment of like being a someone who bears God's image and saying, "I'm gonna do the thing that I know is or the." the best possible thing I can think of to do. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna try to make a really good decision here and I'm going to trust God that it's either the right one who's going to take care of me and I'm going to learn something and I'm going to grow my faith through this moment. I don't know if that's answering your question exactly, but these are just the ways that it, this, this issue of um, not always hearing from God or not always feeling like there's clarity coming mm-hmm. from my prayers. These are the ways that I'm learning to stay engaged in my yeah. relationship with God even whenever I'm not getting what I hoped I would get from my prayers.
0: No, I think that's really good. I think you are answering the question. And I I love what you just said about, like, the wisdom and, like, trying to make a good, loving decision in those instances and the concern of God having us mature and grow up. Because, you know, ultimately the goal is Mm Christ-likeness. And, um, you know, something I've experienced, you know, in the short year of being... A parent is like ultimately you don't want to have to do everything for Alexi or you don't want to always have to be holding him right you want him to take those steps you want him to be able to do those things on his own and you know I think God is probably pretty similar not in like oh Alexi's just like oh forget mom and dad you know but he um so yeah it's just the idea of like God wanting us to fulfill our purpose yeah almost yeah
1: yeah I um the other day I was I was home with Alexi and he climbed up on his step stool (laughs) and he kind of got stuck. Yeah. And I know that he can climb down. Mm -hmm. Um, I've watched him do it a million times, but he started to kind of cry or whine and he looked back at me and my first instinct was to rush over there and and help him down. But then I had this pause and I thought, I know that he knows how to do this. Mm -hmm. He's scared right now, but I know he knows how to do this. And if I just give him, if I just pause long enough to give him the time to think it through, I think he can figure it out. And so all I said to him was, I see your stuff, buddy, and that's scary, but I think you know how to do it. And he kind of, you know, still cried out a little bit, but then quickly his his mood changed from fear to determination, mm-hmm. and he figured it out and he did it. Nice. And he was so proud of himself yeah. when when he did and I was proud of him too. Right. Now, was I like distant? Was I ashamed of him? Was I removed right. from him? No, I was right there. And at any moment that that turned from fear that he could work through and experience a victory, the moment that, that it turned actually to danger, I was right, I would've right. been there to scoop him up yeah. and take care of him. But that's not what was happening. He didn't know that to him. It felt like I'm stuck. I'm never going to get out of this. But I knew from, Mm -hmm. from my vantage point that he had everything that he needed to do what he needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we are when it comes to like surrender. We have this idea of surrender in our Christian faith there, there comes a point when we have spent enough time with Jesus. We have learned his character. We have learned that he does not hate us. We have learned that he does not want to punish us. We have learned that he is for our good. We have learned that he loves us and he's never going to give up on us. We have learned those things about him. So when we're in moments when it feels like Jesus isn't responding, then our options aren't to think, well, who's at fault? Either God doesn't really love me or I did something wrong. I think um, our, um, our, our inner voice starts to tell us, Okay that those aren't that's not the paradigm um, maybe this is something that you actually God has prepared you to do maybe mm-hmm. God has prepared you to face this moment and Christ in you is going to carry you through this you don't need some supernatural moment um, you are, you have that inside you you have the Spirit of Christ in you mm-hmm. you have the mind of Christ yeah so take the next step
0: yeah I like what you said there about the the paradigm shift because that's really what it is you know it's like opting out of that game of a blame mm-hmm. blame game and I don't think we see Jesus do that very often you know Mm -hmm. in scripture um so getting more to the character of god there uh i do have a question of like because you were talking about the imaginative prayer and those kinds of things and um you know typically people who maybe this is a generalization but a lot of people who do find themselves in like a dark night of the soul or those places where they feel like god is silent or distant you know they take prayer very seriously Mm -hmm. and like, what might be your advice or maybe, uh, yeah, your advice if they try to do an imaginative prayer and they're like, I can't do it, right? Like, this isn't working for me. Like, I can't picture Jesus. I know you've talked a little bit about that, but, I mean, I know in my own life there have been times like that. And then, once again, I'm not saying this is... I'm not saying this is good. I'm not saying this is from God, but it was almost, once again, that internal dialogue of almost shame. Like, oh my gosh, I can't picture this. I'm, I'm failing at this too, right? Or even... So there's that. And then maybe even like to the, to the person who might say, well, yeah, but isn't that just your own imagination? Like, isn't that your own, like, yeah, your own imagination, your own making up kind of thing? Like, what are some responses to that you might say?
1: Yeah. So yeah, it is your own imagination. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) There's, there's nothing wrong with imagination. Um, if you look at the scripture, how did God communicate some of the most vibrant and effective and um purposeful messages that he gave he gave visions yeah dreams this is this stuff happens that's happening in, in the brain yeah the way that god designed our our mind to work yeah. is the mind is the intersection of the spiritual and the physical mm-hmm. and so i'm not like put off by anyone who's like that's just imagination imagination is real yeah real in the sense that there is um this, this very fertile space where God can communicate things to us with, with effectiveness that he can't, uh, you know, that we don't receive well in other, in other ways. And so that, I mean, I don't know if that's a little bit too short, but that's kind of what I think like, yeah, you're right. It is just my imagination. My imagination is something that God gave me in order to be able to conceive of things that aren't yet physically true Mm but are nevertheless real. Yeah. And we talk about the kingdom of God as being already and not yet. So without imagination, we, we really even can't conceive of the kingdom of God, which is something we're supposed to be setting our minds That's on. Yeah. Um, set your, set your mind on yeah. the, the things of things above. Yeah. That's how do you do that with your imagination? You're just not going to stare up at the sky <laughs> or, you yeah. know what it's the Hebrew faith and the and our faith which comes from that is a very imaginative visionary
0: yeah
1: a- and embodied faith yeah. all at the same time so that's what I would say to that um, when it comes to if if you have come to see imaginative imaginative prayer or that more contemplative prayer is being effective for you most of the time you come to a season where it's not where it's actually creating more um Discord for you, it's creating more anxiety for you because it, it it it's not creating the same results that you're used to. Then I would say that it's okay to shift your approach to prayer. I would encourage all of us whenever we're having difficulty hearing from God, not to abandon um, prayer altogether, but to find other avenues that can be more concrete for us. So this would be a time when. Our tradition is a really huge uh, pillar for us. We can pray the Lord's Prayer. We can pray. There are so many. Um, our more liturgical brothers mm-hmm. and sisters have so many resources yeah. when it comes to praying. People pray the hours. Yeah. There are, and and I think Brooke and Dan yeah. kind of mentioned this. There are resources yeah. here when it comes to liturgy, where yeah. we don't have to pray our own made up extemporaneous prayers all the time. We have siblings in the faith who have come before us, who, who gave us their prayers as well. So we can pray others prayers. Um, we can pray the prayer that Jesus taught us and trust that it is good enough, um, to help us maintain our connection to, to God. And then I would also say that, um, I would encourage you to lean on others in the faith who are in your community during this time. Sometimes we hear from God directly from scripture. Sometimes we hear from God in our own um, individual prayer. And a lot of times we hear from God as we lean into the relationships that we have with other people who are following Jesus. And when um, that's, that's why we are a body. That's mm-hmm. why God created us not to just do faith uh, privately. And as an individual, we do have our faith, which is personal, but it's always been designed to exist within this interconnected community of people who have different gifts and different personalities and who are going through different things at different Mm -hmm. times. So when you're going through a dark night of the soul, or when you're experiencing difficulty in prayer, you're having a hard time believing that God is going to answer your prayers. Then, um, there's likely other people in your community who aren't in that space. Mm -hmm. And that can, um, Here's a phrase: share their faith mm. with you. When you have little faith, that doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you need someone to help bear that burden with you for a season, and that's why we're a part of a community. So other people might have more faith than you right now. So let their faith do some of the heavy lifting, and you can rest in the goodness of God, the love of Christ, and in the arms of your of your um, fellow believer.
0: Mm. I really like that idea of sharing your faith, care. I mean, usually when you hear the, the phrase share your faith, it's something totally different from that, but then I love that phrase, share your faith, and then also the idea of letting someone else's faith carry you, and just the the importance of community in that, because I mean, what, like you said, like our faith is such a social thing, you know, it is a very personal it is very personal in your devotion to Jesus, but also it is you are called into a community of believers as well. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that's so huge. And I think I'll just reiterate, you know, everyone goes through seasons of different vibrancy in their faith life, in their prayer life, and then obviously those, those seasons in the valley. So, yeah, I think it's such good advice to be able to be willing to change up what you're doing in prayer and not just kind of, um, expect, well, this is the one way I've it always worked for me this in this way, but, and, and then also even take that as maybe like some, um, encouragement that God might be, um, strengthening up some other muscles in your faith life. So, all right, Erica, we've been talking for about 27 minutes. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share or a question or something you've been thinking about?
1: Yeah, I would say maybe the last thing that we can chat about, you had mentioned at the beginning that we're gonna we're trying to just come at this from a different context and I know the um, Holy District community here, our context is one of uh, material poverty, a lot of socioeconomic struggle and suffering, I mean um, just really immense suffering I was just at a vigil two nights ago last night um, from, for someone who was murdered on his front porch by a neighbor after a conflict and, um, gun violence is a huge, huge issue in our, in our city and in our neighborhood amongst a lot of other things. And so, you know, as, as I was listening to this series, I was, I couldn't help but think of our friends and our neighbors who are dealing with really, really scary situations. They're dealing with domestic abuse. They're dealing with, uh, addictions and, um, I don't know. We, we, we need to be rescued.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
1: I have, I appreciated uh, Brooke and Dan sharing about how there does tend to be a focus on being rescued in our prayers. And sometimes that's not always what happens. And also my heart was going out to our friends and uh, family and Christ here because I want them to be rescued, yeah. you know? And, and so I don't know, do you mind, do you want to chat about that a little bit before we sign off?
0: Yeah. Uh, I would love that. Because like I said earlier, the hope for this podcast actually was that we were going to be able to get some of our neighbors on this podcast to be able to talk about, you know, we're talking about people who are homeless. And we're talking about, like you just said, people experiencing violence and um, poverty. And, you know, the hope was to be able to get them on and share from their perspective and their faith and their prayer life. And, you know, that wasn't able to happen this week. But Absolutely. You know, I've had lots of conversations with people where I work at a, um, homeless drop-in center and, you know, I'll be honest, a lot of times their faith and their prayer life puts me to shame, Mm. (laughs) but,
1: um, no, say more about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've done some Bible studies and some, you know, just had conversations with a lot of people and I'm like literally talking about people who are homeless, who are out in the street, who have no shelter whatsoever you know especially during the nicer time of the year spring summer when an emergency shelter isn't open and you know they are constantly a lot of them are constantly talking about god and how good god is and at the same time fully aware that they are they have nothing Mm -hmm. you know as far as material things go so yeah some you know those are good reality checks for me sometimes
1: yeah, and when you think of the Lord's Prayer and the Lord's Prayer literally says give us today our daily bread. Yeah. Um it's it's this very startling literally um, yeah. some of our friends and neighbors that is the prayer that they're praying and it's not metaphorical and it yeah. doesn't it doesn't mean something deeper than that Not to a,
0: them. not necessarily a spiritualized bread that yeah, we're talking Yeah, they literally about. Yeah, are the asking bread. God
1: for what can you please provide for me today what I need today? And then tomorrow we'll talk about tomorrow.
0: Yeah. And I do think, you know, as talking about a community of believers and just how interconnected everyone is. And, you know, we've talked a lot about, um, what God does for us, like intervening. And I do believe God does that. Um, and then at the same time, like, I know it's a little cliche to say, but you know, as the community of the people of God, You know, we can be the answer to prayer for many of these people. Like, there is enough in the world, Mm -hmm. right? Like, maybe you are actually the answer to someone's prayer of giving them some bread, having shelter, you know. Yeah, I think it's just so important to realize that. Not to have such a um, self-focused, self-centered faith.
1: You know, as we were uh, listening to the podcast from Gilbert you know, that's what I heard Brooke and Dan sharing and, and kind of the core of the teaching was, um, for the folks on their hearts and on their minds, the kind of suffering we all suffer, we all experience suffering, but maybe the kind of suffering that their community goes through is different than the kind of suffering that, Mm -hmm. that ours goes through. And I think part of following Jesus, as Dan said several times is Jesus suffered and we follow the suffering savior. And Mm -hmm. so for those of us who follow Jesus, then, that we would come to understand that suffering is actually something that we say yes to when we, yeah. we take up a cross and we follow him and we become his students. Um, that suffering, when it is accepted, uh, it, we're, I don't think we're talking about the kind of like terrible uh, tragedies that happen to us because the reality of evil in the world. Yeah. I think we're talking about how when we follow Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, you were you were talking about this the other day, how yeah. it compels us toward those who are victims of sin and evil in our world. Yeah. And as we become, as we actually actually love them, as we actually are um, shaped into the image of Christ, and we're moved from compassion to go s- to suffer with them, we actually will experience the kind of suffering that uh, Jesus is leading us into, and will yeah. and will help us through.
0: Yeah, because it's proximity. And solidarity with those people, and um, yeah, because I had always to be, to be honest, reading the Beatitudes. I'm always like, to be honest, I'm not necessarily in those places a lot, you know. Like I, I don't have a ton of material need mm-hmm. or want. And blessed
1: are the poor. Blessed are
0: the poor. Blessed are know. those who
1: mourn. Yes. Blessed are um, those who are yeah persecuted. And
0: yeah, and you know, specifically my social context, you know, as a white man, like, I'm not persecuted a whole lot, (laughs) specifically in uh, America, but, you know, thinking through and listening to this podcast, you know, he basically, the person said, and his name is Stephen Backhouse, if anybody wants or Backhouse, if anybody wants to check him out, Um, but he basically said, you know, but this is, the Beatitudes are in a context of the Sermon on the Mount, and if you actually start doing the things that Jesus is telling us to do as a rule of life you will become those type of people and in those social locations you will be with those people who are poor you will be with those people who are mourning you will, and you will become one of those people because the world will reject you like you know um so i do find that interesting um and then yeah i mean back to our community like not to um take it away from there but yeah in our community uh, something i find really interesting is we've had multiple conversations with with women who were in domestic violence situations or abused and you know in those conversations when it turns to church or prayer they get so emotional Mm -hmm. not in a bad way like I don't mean that like emotions are not bad but like they get so you can tell they care so deeply Mm -hmm. like they aren't mad at God and I do think like growing up in my context which was a pretty um, I mean it was a well off context um, that was not how people responded when those kind of terrible things happened in their lives they were like why would God allow this to happen to me and that has not been my experience with Mm -hmm. people in our neighborhood they're like God is what is getting them through
1: it's almost like um, in our neighborhood what I'm learning is there there is a deep awareness of how not right the world is yeah there's not an illusion that that life should be easy for anyone yeah and so the fact that life has been difficult is accepted and the fact that they have been rescued and that they survived the difficulty that that they've Mm been encountered so far is um is received with gratitude yeah whereas um you know from our context how we grew up the illusion that life should be good for most people was absolutely intact. It's
0: the American dream.
1: And, um, so when, when difficulty and evil touched touched us from time to time, it felt totally disorienting.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, what an interest, you know, what an interesting, uh, difference that that perspective Hmm. makes because you have two groups of people experiencing the same, the same tragedy and the same evil and one is coming away thankful to God for seeing them through it. And one is coming away doubting God's existence because mm-hmm. it happened to begin with. Yeah. How interesting.
0: Yeah. What do you make of that? What do you think of that?
1: Well, you know, what I think I'm, what I'm taking away even just from kind of bumbling through this conversation is that I think there is a kind of suffering that the Bible and the person of Jesus leads us to believe that God will deliver us from. Mm -hmm. yeah um god is a god of justice god is a god of love um god does not delight in harm done to his creation including the planet and animals and 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 his people all when i say his people i mean all All people. people um however there is a kind of suffering that god is actually inviting us to to choose and not like a self-flagellation or right. um, a martyr syndrome or anything like that. But, but the kind of suffering that says, as long as there is evil in the world that people need to be rescued from, I'm going to move toward those people knowing that it might be at a cost to myself. Yeah. And I think my, um, my prayer life, the shift you know, from what I experienced at the beginning was more about trying to protect myself from, from pain and trying to protect the ones that I love from experiencing pain and and getting my way, um, which I thought was what, what God obviously would want mm. and to now seeing prayer as something that helps me stay connected and to experience the mind of Christ and, and my own mind and to make wise decisions and to grow into maturity and to grow in Christ likeness. Um, what that means is I'm actually probably going to experience more of the one kind of suffering because I follow a suffering savior and I'm then on the same token, I'm going to have the opportunity to be a part of God's rescue mission for that other kind of suffering that has never been God's intention for his world. Does, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think so (laughs) for sure. I mean, uh, I think as you follow Jesus and his teaching, you know, specifically Sermon on the Mount and his way of life. Like there is a, there is a suffering that is going I mean, Brooke and Dan, they talked about this, right? And you just alluded to it, but just this idea of like, there's almost a suffering that is worthwhile, Mm. you know? And I think, uh, my, my mind even goes back to a conversation I had with, um, Ryan Cagno and you know we talked about suffering a little bit and just like this idea of like yeah (laughs) especially uh, specifically people of privilege like we need to enter into that to experience a side of God or a God that we haven't experienced before Mm. um and it is forming us to be more Christ-like so yeah yeah well all right um Thank you guys so much for joining us with this conversation. I know we're just kind of spitballing back and forth. We're literally in a closet in our house while Alexi takes a nap. So thank you guys so much. Once again, I want to uh, recommend if you haven't listened to the rest of this Does Prayer Work series with Burke and Dan, go back, listen to him. It's some great stuff. By all means, if you have any questions about prayer, feel free to reach out to us at theholydistrict.org. dot org and
1: <laughs> not theholydistrict not
0: the holy district but holydistrict.org. And org um, and you know send in your questions if you're interested in spiritual direction or maybe even some um, I know Brooke and Dan have talked about this before too but some resources for prayer or maybe even You loved what Brooke did with her guided meditation, and you'd be interested in somebody leading you through some of that stuff more individually. Um, By all means, reach out. We'd love to do that. And thank you guys so much for joining us on the Holy District podcast.
1: We'll talk to you next time. The Holy District is a growing network of people in the United States who are finding creative ways to live integrated, Jesus centered lives in their communities, with their communities, and for their communities. We're dedicated to rediscovering the sacred in the everyday spaces where we already live, work, and play. And we're so glad you're on this journey with us. Talk to you next time.